Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Um, 
we're very happy that you could join us today. Let me tell you a little bit about Kristen. She's an acting and audition coach. She's an actor. She's appeared in over two dozen uh, film and television projects, as well as having more than 25 national commercials to her credit. Uh, she's recently seen in Nora, the first gentleman's chief and staff, chief of staff and ABC's commander-in-chief with uh, Gina Davis and Donald Sutherland. And she was, um, oh, very recently in Straw Dogs, directed by Rod Lurie. And if you listen to my conversation with Rod, uh, here on Movie, then he mentioned uh, Kristen uh, in very high regard, so you're going to want to go back and listen to that, too. Uh, but she's done so many other um, other things and, um, and uh, so many different appearances. She has her own acting school in her area. I'm going to let her tell you about that. But without any further ado, let me just, you know, I have people who hate it when I say that, and I, and I don't like that phrase either. So without any further hesitation, uh, Kristen, hi. How are you? Hi, I'm fabulous. Thanks for having me again. I'm so glad that you're back. Uh, you know, you always add value to the actors, to the listeners, and even those people who don't act because they get an insight into the process, into the mind, into the daily workings and the grind of what it takes to be a professional actor. And so we certainly appreciate you being here. So I mentioned that you have you're, you're in you have your own acting school in your area. So would you please tell us yes. a little bit about that right off the bat? I do. Very very easy to find me, Kristen Shaw Acting Studio. <laughs> very That's simple. Easy Yes, on Facebook, uh, KristenshawActingStudio.com. I'm a Kristen with an E-N. That's the only thing tricky, I guess, in all of that. And I do uh, I do a lot of professional coaching for actors for film and TV. Um, I, I do pretty much I, – I specialize in anything film and TV. I don't really do a lot of with voiceovers um, or theater. I, I really have a, a specialty niche. Because I, I feel like any good teacher teaches what they know, and we none of us know everything, so I stick to what I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool, very cool. Do you have a website other than uh, Facebook? or? Uh, yes, yeah, KristenshawActingStudio.com. Okay, I'm sorry. All right, excellent. Yeah. So how have you been since the last time we spoke? I've been fabulous. Yeah, I've been working a lot, and did, I did, as you mentioned, Straw Dogs. That was really fun. Just did a, a little short film for the 100-hour film festival, and we got in as a finalist, so we'll see where that goes. But, yeah, you know, staying busy. I'm coaching a lot of people and uh, seeing great success. You know, it's it's really interesting that the techniques and the, the auditioning um, coaching that I do with people – you know, it's effective wherever you are. And so much now, everything is on tape. And so that's why this topic I thought was really important. The the difference, I think a lot of actors don't think about the difference in their responsibility, our responsibility as an actor, to the audition versus our responsibility to showing up on set. And it's not just a difference in memorizing lines. Oh, Absolutely. So, um, so well, let's get into that discussion right yeah. now. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's jump right in. <laughs> let's just jump right in. And uh, and people in the chat room, obviously, if they have questions, they will. But what is the difference? First off, let's let's start with the idea of um, uh, the difference in auditioning and doing the scene. Uh, yes. If you're well, there, the very first thing is a understanding that they are different things. Because as actors, a lot of times what we think it's all about is our acting. And 
that's just simply not true. We're, we are a piece of a big picture. So a lot of what I teach my actors and, and I really spend a lot of time on is thinking like a director, understanding. You know, I thought when Rod Lurie was on, he had such great insights, and I told all my actors to listen to that because and, and to listen to the all the podcasts. And I generally tell them, I said, you know, it's great to listen to the stuff from casting directors, but the people who hire you are directors. So when you can understand their insight, and so what a, what is a director looking for, for from an actor? Well, especially in an audition, we are looking for you to come in the room and bring to life this piece of his or her big picture. So the first thing to keep in mind with the difference in an audition versus the difference in booking the job and it seems really obvious and very basic, but a lot of people don't think about this, is the fact that in an audition, I do not have anyone else in that scene with me. Uh So what that means is, you know, a lot of casting people and a lot of directors will often talk about an actor having good listening skills. Uh And, and, And to translate that for actors a little more specifically, what they're really saying is I need you to tell me the entire story on your face. So in other words, if my line to you is I love you, and then you say, well, I don't love you, and then my next line is I thought you did, let's just say. So if I'm in the audition... I have to say I love you with this anticipation that you're going to say, I love you back, honey, you know. Uh, And then you have to see on my face the response from the other person, which is he doesn't love me. Now, Uh when I'm in, when I booked the job, they're probably going to cut to the other actor to tell that piece of the story. Mm -hmm. But if I'm in my audition and I don't respond to what you're doing, you know, if you say to somebody, I love you, how long does it take for your face to fall? (laughs) Their response is not, do you know what I mean? If if their response is not what you want it to be. It's a split second. So as an actor, if I say, I love you, honey, and I wait for the casting director to give me the line, well, I don't love you, and then I react, I haven't build my obligation to the scene. So in other words, just so that I understand and we're clarifying this, so in other words, if if, if I say I love you, before you as the casting director respond, I have to react. And that reaction may be one of dismay because I, I'm what, anticipating now well, that you're going to say? What's, what's or do I hold... I have to create the whole reality of this experience only on my face. Right. So I can't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cut to the casting director for that for the, right. them to give the line. So if I said to somebody in real life, "I love you," and there's a split second of hesitation before they respond, I have to feel that. So when I'm in my audition, I don't have the other actor to cut to to see the hesitation. 
So I have to create that in my reality, and I have to be affected by that no matter what that casting director does. So if they are delayed in their response, just so that I clarify, just so that I'm absolutely sure, am I to understand, in other words, if the camera's locked on me, do I then wait for them to say, well, I don't love you, before I now react? No. I'm supposed to react prior to them. Yes, you create in your, because in your mind, as a good actor, you're not talking to the casting director, are you? You're talking talking to to someone, right, or someone you know in your life, Right. let's just say, to make it more personal. So what I have to do is I have to create this reality for myself. You know, it's like if you look at little kids playing imaginary games, Uh they're completely engrossed, and there is a reality that they're all participating in different from the reality the adults are participating in. So as an actor, that's really our job. I create a reality. So I create a reality where I'm in that room saying I love you to somebody I know in my life, and I have to see that person have a hesitation before they talk to me. Now, chances are you've got a casting director with his or her head in the script. Right. You know, they don't want to mess you up as an actor, so they're just going to keep their head down and do the lines. Right. So you have to create that. Now, once you've booked the job, you've got blocking, you've got, you know, oftentimes the audition is in many ways harder than booking the job. Now, there's some technical things to a, for a new actor that make booking the job harder until we get used to that part of the process. But as far as the reality of what is created for you, it's usually far easier to book the to do the job than it is to do the audition. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've been in the business for 40 years. I can't say that I love auditioning as much as I love doing the job. And I wish I could because I understand that my job as an actor is to audition, you know, is to get the job. Right. But it's right. a different, yes, but it is a different skill set. Right, right. Oh, so, very much so. Yeah, your job in that audition is really like the child's job playing the imaginary game. Is they have to show up and be fully committed right. to this imaginary situation. Same thing. Well, when you're on a set, you've got another actor looking at you with tears in his eyes or, you know, and sometimes you don't get the luxury of a good actor. <laughs> so this is a skill right. that will translate. Um, sometimes the casting director is better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but usually, and, and one of the things I've taught my actors, too, is if, if I tell this piece of story on my face, okay, even in the, sh- the filming of this, if I'm not relying on the other actor to tell that piece of story, then right. what happens is your editor, especially on a TV show, your editor starts to learn that they can trust you so when when they have a group scene, I can't tell. I've had two TV shows as a, a you know on a contract where I was on a contract, multiple episodes. 
And uh-huh. each time I had an editor come up to me, this is not to toot my own horn, this is to give you an example of what I'm talking about. Right. I, I had an editor come up to me at the, a, a rap party or, you know, one of the parties towards the end and thank me. And, and you know, as an actor, you don't know your editors, but they feel like they know you because they see all your work throughout the time. And uh, But in each case, they said to me, when it was a group scene, I always knew I could cut to you because there was never a time you were not present and reacting to what was supposed to happen. Awesome. That's, that's, that, so that you is great become, Yeah, you become the editor's shortcut. So if there's a scene with eight people, I mean, think of how much work that takes for an editor. You've got eight people, eight pieces of coverage plus master shots. Who am I going to cut to to tell this piece of the story? So let's say a great example of what I'm talking about is if you watch any procedural, like Law & Order or CSI or anything where some case is solved, okay, Uh oftentimes the guest star will say something, you know. Yeah, he showed up in a red Dotson. And instead of the, the person giving the information, having a reaction to that, you see them cut to the lead characters who just look at each other with that look of that tells the audience what how to process that information they just received right you know oh lenny briscoe thinks this is good information cool you know or whatever Uh so they're you're you're showing the audience how to respond to that well in an audition that's your full responsibility because there is no one to cut to Besides you. So I see actors all the time in audition, and a big, big mistake is their their head is only up and they're only alive when they're talking. And that is the death of your audition. Because I don't have someone else to cut to. So when when your head is down and you've, you're giving me no life on camera, all I'm hearing is some off-camera person. It's like the Peanuts cartoon where they go, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> you know, the teachers, you never could understand what they're saying because they're not important. Well, I've got an off-camera that. casting director who's saying lines that are not important, and I don't know what's happening in the story because your head is down. That is excellent advice, absolutely excellent advice. And anyone who is self-taping, that's priceless information. So if you're if you're at a place and you know you're self-taping an audition for a, a casting director or even for an agency, anything like that, that that will change the way your audition is perceived, and it will jump it up a hundred percent better just by doing that. Again, again, excellent, excellent advice, um, and by. I, I mean, I, I like what you say when you say the audition needs to carry the whole scene only on your face, but by face you mean your entire body. I mean, in other words, you, well, nobody they're generally, just... but they're generally only taping your face. Well, they're I understand generally... that, but I understand that. But what, I, but the point I'm making is that when when things actually happen to you in person, you don't just make facial gestures; your body right. responds. And so, from the character, you know, for it to be believable, you you respond wholly but it registers on your face. Exactly, exactly. And I'll give you an example of exactly that. I was filming a movie where um, I had to, there was a, we were being held hostage in the movie, so it was a scary thing. And so 
uh, I was around the corner, and they, you know, they hooked me up with my sound pack and everything, and I'm supposed to walk in the scene, and I know that I'm being stalked by this guy or chased by this guy who's going to kill me. And so we, we start the scene. The director yells, cut. The sound guy comes over. He does a couple of other things, you know, whatever. We start the scene again. Director yells, cut. Sound guy comes over, does a couple of things. Well, this happens like three or four times, right? And finally, I'm looking at the sound guy because now I'm thinking maybe he can't do his job so well, right? And he said to me, he said, I keep having to move the mic around because he said, I don't know what you're doing, but every time the scene starts, your heart starts beating so loud, we're catching it. So that's why they kept having to stop. No, they couldn't fix it because when the scene wasn't happening, I wasn't having an emotional reaction, so the heartbeat wasn't a problem. So my body responded to the to the circumstances and the imaginary situation I, I, I was creating in my mind. And as soon as that happened, my heart started racing so fast because the body does not know the difference between imagination and reality. That's why scary movies are effective. You're sitting in a dark theater eating popcorn. You know this guy is not going to kill you. And yet your body reacts as if it is real. So that is you're exactly right. That is exactly what happens. Only in an audition, generally speaking, you only have the you have to let all of that come out in your face, not, you know, in a whole lot of physicality. Awesome. Physicality awesome. and and moving around in an audition, that's another thing. Well, that's it, a big difference, you know, in a um if they're filming me and I say to you, I love you, and there's that moment of hesitation and you can see my face fall, and then you say, well, I don't love you. And, I, I mean, my knees could buckle a little bit, let's say. I could have a physical response to that that I cannot do in my audition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in my audition, as long as I honor the life of that moment, you know, maybe in the audition, all I do is my face falls and I go, <gasps> like that. Sure. And that would be enough. I'm still, I'm still doing whatever it is that my body is responding to. I just know enough to keep it in certain parameters based on so, where the camera is. Right. Well, so in the audition, I mean, it, 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 to to kind of uh, re capitulate some of these points. I mean, you're there, your job is to read, keep your head up so that they can see you and to do so while listening and reacting and to create those reactions even if the other person doesn't, um, you know, feed you anything. In other words, it's on your face and so you want to, uh, the whole show is you. You know, and the, and the director, the director, and the people who are watching this tape or watching it live need to be able to see all that they, all the information they need to see on your face in those moments that you're there in the audition. And so, your job is to create all of that, regardless of what is given to you. Correct. Now, the difference, so that I understand it, on the set, you know, you may be working with another actor that gives you more or less. Uh, your job remains the same, and yet they may cut away from you to the other person and then back. But, as you point out, if you are always present 
and always responsive and reacting and and initiating and doing your job, then you're also uh, like unconsciously making a friend of the editor because they always have someone that they can trust and someone they can cut to. Absolutely. So your job is to be completely present and and to have developed this character fully and to and to do it both on the set but also in the audition because the audition is what's going to get you the booking. Exactly. Assuming that all other conditions are met. I mean, you know, you, you can be well, like, yes, there's there's right. a whole lot of, you know, things about type and things about, you know, right. look and there's all that stuff that, you know, I had an acting coach tell me a million years ago when I first had moved to LA. <laughs> And he said, there may be a hundred reasons you book a job. Right. One of them is your acting. Right. And it's the only one you control. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the, but the one thing that I really like about what you've said, and it's not just the one thing, but uh, of the hundreds of things that you've just pointed out, is that bullet point. It's it's something that I could I could I could put on my mirror. It's something I could emblazon on the inside of my forehead. You know, it's something I could write on my script. And that is that the audition needs to carry. You know, that you you carry the whole scene in the audition. That's right. So many actors think it's only about their lines. And the truth is, it is the least amount about your lines. It is much more. I would say 70 to 80% of that audition is about when you're not talking. 70 to 80%. So the idea is, I mean, you know, in cold reading techniques, you know, you, you try and pay attention to the other person, then you look down, grab your line, look up and say it. And even if it's not absolutely you know, as written, you know, you've, you're now delivering the line. But you, you, sh- you should never have your head down. You should never be buried in this, you know, the scene. You should never just read the words, you know. And the idea is to be either looking at the camera or looking at the other person in the scene, you know, making some form of eye contact. Well, yeah, and you never look at the camera. You you look at the but camera that, only when you slate. But right, I, I don't I, mean and one the thing that I I will disagree with you on. Um, I don't. I don't let my actors get by with changing a single word. So they have to be able to look down, grab it, and say it exactly as written. I don't mind if you stay on your script a little bit while you're talking. Okay. Because okay. there's still life coming through you. Okay. Far better uh, to be on your page when you're talking than when the other person is talking. All right. See, Excellent. Human Excellent. instinct goes the other way. Right. Excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah, and when I and, and earlier when I said when you're looking at the camera, I mean you're looking at the person off camera. Right. 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 Yes. Right. Making eye contact. Right. Okay. Yes. Cool. That, well, that's awesome. That is really cool. Now you mentioned self-taping, and and nowadays there are more opportunities to self-tape and submit yourself either onto websites or by email or whatever. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there, are there other tips and secrets and suggestions that uh, regarding self-taping? Oh, yes. <laughs> the first one is lighting. Please, 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 if you're not well lit, don't use it. That is a fundamental. Nobody wants to see bad lighting. And so a lot of people will say, well, what's bad lighting? I don't know. I don't want to see any shadows. And I want to see your face clearly. So how do you do that if you don't have a lighting booth at home? Very simple. Take two lamps, take the lampshade off, 
and place them on either side of you. So when the light hits you from both directions, there's no shadow. So your camera should be in the middle, like let's say straight in front of you, and then there should be a light several feet to the right of that camera shining on you. Take the lampshade off and, and, and get a, not a huge light, like maybe a 60-watt or something, depending on how dark your room is. Um, and then you take the other light on the other side, take the shade off, and, and point that towards you. Um, the other thing that can be very effective, and it, it looks beautiful, very easy, is if you sit at a window that has natural lighting, so you, you're, you would be looking, the light's coming in the window. As the actor, you're generally looking out towards the light. So your camera would be in front of, of you, so you'd be sitting like in the middle of your room looking out towards the window and the camera, you know, would be right in front of you. That also works very well, but you need to tape it and you need to watch it back because bad lighting, they won't even watch your audition. And the same is true for sound. One thing that people are not aware of a lot of times unless they do this professionally is sound. Now, if I have a reader who's sitting right beside the camera and I'm five feet from the camera, who's going to sound louder? My reader, right? Right. So, if, so I need to know that my reader needs to drop their voice down because they're right beside the camera. But I can't drop my – I do this in my class all the time with my actors. I'll drop my voice down. I'm pretty loud anyway, um, but I'll drop my voice down, and then a lot of times they drop their voice down, and they match my lower, you know, they, they come off like with no energy. So you have to project your voice, and you have to have a reader drop theirs. So again, this goes back to this imagination that you have to be using to not be totally reliant on what's really happening. Excellent. So if I, yeah, and and same thing if, if you know if my person has to yell at me or if there has to be a loud noise or something, that loud noise is much muted if that person right beside the camera is making the noise. See, so I have to respond as if it is much louder than what it actually is because if the person making it is right beside the camera, when I watch this back, it's going to look a whole lot. It sound a whole lot louder because of the proximity of the person making the noise. So that's a that's another big thing. It's lighting and sound very big. Another huge mistake actors make, and I don't understand why. This is foreign to me. Most most actor mistakes I understand because I've made them. <laughs> this uh-huh. one I don't get, but people do it consistently, and it is a a huge mistake. It is the death of your audition. If you do this, you will not, not only book a job, you will not be seen as a professional actor. You probably know what that is. You look in the camera. If you do your audition into the camera or you do your monologue straight into the camera, I can't tell you how many examples I see all the time of people who do this. It is, you may as well hold up a sign saying, hey, I'm an actor who doesn't know what they're doing. 
It is absolutely the end of your audition, and you will be seen as an inexperienced, a green actor who doesn't is not professional. So that would be a big, big, big one. Lighting, sound, and looking into the camera. Those are big ones. Those are very good to know. Very good to know. Yeah. And and um, when it comes to the the tape and it comes to the character, I mean, when when you're called into an office to read, sometimes you get the sides, you know, the day before. Um, you may or may not have the opportunity to memorize. I've I've shown up on dishes where they won't give you the sides until you get there. Right. Now, but but if they're going to allow you to self-tape, obviously they're giving you the sides. What amount of consideration is now given to that? I mean, I mean, I know this is all you know highly individual for all the casting directors, directors who watch these things. But but you now have the opportunity to at your leisure tape and do multiple takes and to do right. any number of things to make it better. So. If that's the case, they know that I could have memorized this, that I could have acted it, I could have cut it, I could have done it a hundred times. Um, how much more weight is now put on the, the 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 kinds of things you say? The good sound, the you know, the good lighting, the um, uh, conveying on my whole face, you know, every. I mean, in other words, uh, it would seem that would be even it would be even weightier because they're saying it, you had the it opportunity. It would seem to that way, but the truth is, they give absolutely they. they Standards are not raised and lowered based on what they think the actor has to work with. Okay? So, so what they I think mean, you had a week I mean or a day, that is They don't care. You better so. come up to a top level if you have 10 minutes or you have 10 days. They don't care. They don't – oftentimes, they don't know. I was a reader. Um, in the uh, in, in, on the contender, I went in as a reader for actors coming in because uh-huh. I was working, I was on the movie that was one of Rod Lurie's movies. He's right. very big on an actor, you know, being there to to be a reader with with people, and so I went in as a reader. Well, there were actors who came in. I remember one guy who was really big at the time. He just come off a huge movie, really popped. And he said, when he walked in to Rod, he said, you know, I just got this script yesterday, and I have so much respect for you, and I want to honor what you've written. So I just I just want you to know I, I'm not as off book as, you know, I'd like to be. And Rod said, oh, well, I didn't know you just got the script yesterday. Why don't you take a week and, and let's reschedule you for next week? And the guy was, said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? Well, uh-huh. why did Rod not know that? Why did Rob not know? Why did Rod not know that the actor only had the script for a day? Because that's not his business. He's oh, the right, director. Right. He called. He called for the. He called for the uh, auditions. They did the auditions the next day. You see, he didn't think through how much time do people have. He's not considering that. You know, that would be like you going to the dentist and, and checking in on how much sleep he got the night before. You don't care. He just has a job to do, and he's going to do it. You see what I'm saying? You have yeah, a job to do point. as an actor. They don't an get, they're not thinking about your process any more than you're thinking about their process. 
Are you thinking about how how well written is this? Are you thinking about how much has the writer thought through this character and how much is he just winging it or how much is he wanting to see me bring it to life and, and how much is he, you know, really committed to it looking and feeling a certain way? You don't have any way of knowing that information. So same thing with them. As far as casting people and as far as directors are concerned, you uh-huh. have a skill and a craft, and you are expected to perform at a top level every single time. That's, again, again, excellent. It's just that the expectation is that whenever you are in front of the camera, you're at the top of your game. Yes. Okay. The expectation is that whenever you're in front of the camera, this is what you have to offer in this part. And it's also why I'm very big if once – this is another difference between auditioning and booking the job. When With my actors, when they're auditioning, I want to see a script in their hand. I want to see it in frame. I want to see that script. And the reason is, and many actors – don't want people to see the script because they want to look like they're off book or they want to be completely off book and so they don't even have the script in their hand, which is another huge no-no. But the reason I want to see a script is exactly that. I want to see psychologically as a viewer, I want to know this is an audition. This is not a finished product. This is this is a this is a sample of what is possible with you. If I don't right. see a script in your hand, I think finished product. See what I mean? Oh, sure. No, no. Again, very good tip. Very That's good a suggestion. little psychological trick. It's a yep, trick, yep. but it's a good yep. one. <laughs> it's an excellent one. It's an absolutely excellent one. And I appreciate it. And you know what? We're at that point where we need to take a break right now and let the audience know about what's coming up. And uh, and I'm I'm absolutely uh, enjoying this. This is is rock-solid, good material, good, great information, tips and secrets that actors who are out there in the trenches need to know. And I appreciate that very much, and we'll be back in just a couple minutes. You are listening to Rex Ike's Movie Beat. The official website is R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S dot com. That's my name. All of these interviews and uh, the three previous interviews with Kristen are available at RexSykes.com at the Interviews blog. Go in, read the biographies of my guests. There's a working link for live or archive shows right there inside the biography page. They're also available as podcasts from iTunes. You can download them to your favorite electronic device. Take them with you wherever you go. There's over 250 hours of solid learning. You know, uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat has been called uh, both a master class of filmmaking in a box, a PhD program in, in filmmaking and television making. So so learn and, and, uh, and benefit from the experience of those uh, who are doing this every day. And uh, and enjoy the interviews. And then all I ask you to do is to share them with other people. Share the URL. You can post it anywhere you like. Uh, make it available to other people. All we do is that you do so in its entirety. Comment uh, on the shows when they're live or archived at the player or rate and review the podcasts. 
and uh, and invite other people to listen both live and archived. If you do that, uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. My next guest is Mr. Christopher Hadley. He's a stunt man and stunt coordinator. He's going to be coming up and talking about stunts. Jane Espenson is coming back. She's going to be with us uh, on Wednesday the 26th. Christopher will be with us on the 25th. And Andrea Shreeman and Gregor Collins, producers and writers, are going to be joining us on the 27th of October. Uh, and those are just a few of my guests. I'm going to be attending the Flyway Film Festival. Uh, it starts the 20th of October, goes to the 23rd in Pepin, Wisconsin. Ted Hope will be there. John Reese, think outside the box office, will be there and others. Uh, it's a, apparently a fabulous festival. I've been trying to get there for a number of years. But I'm going to be there this October 20, uh, at least the 21st to the 23rd. So uh, if you're in the listening area and you don't know about it, go to Flyway Film Festival, <laughs> flywayfilmfestival.org. And uh, or search them on the internet, and if you can, be sure to attend. All right. Oh, and one other thing: in November, November fourth and fifth, I have two movies that are premiering in Milwaukee. One I co-star in called Broken Orbit at the Milwaukee Art Museum. The other is uh, one I did some cameo work in called The Amateur Monster Movie on the fifth of November. So it's like my Rex Sykes movie weekend. Uh, Spate County Massacre is uh, just about wrapping up post, so we may have some announcements on that. That's the movie I also star in and produced, and, and so that uh, should be done by the end of October. All right, back with Kristen. Hello. Hello. I'm Hi. so glad you're here. <laughs> I love being here. It's, you know, it always amazes me how much we pack into a short amount of time. How like much we, what? We, how much we manage to pack into a short amount of time. You know? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's because I let you talk and I listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully. So let me ask you this. Um, mm-hmm. Creating this character, creating the whole character, now how that differs you know, in in terms of, and and don't let me don't let me leave any of the topic points that you might have wanted to make yet. But the question that I have coming up is is uh, what to do about preparing and creating this um, this character, uh, mm-hmm. and how that differs in the audition and the scene. I mean, my own okay. my own internal preparation work. Right, that's a great question. Um, I think that I I do flesh something out a little more once I have the job um the main difference for for the way i work is probably in wardrobe the look of the character so because in an audition again you're telling the whole story and your responsibility is to the scene is to making telling the entire story of that scene well there are also some technical things of you know uh, you don't wear a lot of jewelry. You don't wear certain colors and certain things on camera. You know, no white on camera um, generally. So when I go to audition for something, I'm generally in pretty simple makeup, very natural looking. I, I don't have any real jewelry on, and I'm wearing something, you know, simple because you're not to be distracted from my face. Because uh-huh. that's where the story is going to unfold. Well, then once I book the job, you can be somewhat distracted from my face because now I have my whole body and my whole physicality in which to tell the story. So uh, a good example of that, if you notice, 
probably wouldn't have noticed, but in Straw Dogs, um, the director with Kate Bosworth, he, he told a lot of the story on her legs and her feet. Uh-huh. The way she walked, the fact that she was barefoot, a lot of times it created this vulnerability, this sense of vulnerability with her character. Um, and and the way she would move her legs, there's something very girlish and very um, innocent about all that. Well, that is something that would have to have been worked out later. You obviously could not bring that into the audition. You can't go into your audition barefoot. Right. <laughs> you can't you can't move your camera down to your feet to tell part of the story. You know that is a director and actress working together once you know, for for filming. Um, as an actress you or actor, you would want to be able to make those types of suggestions. So if if in, in what I would need to do in my audition is I would need to know my character is very vulnerable. There's a there's a sense of vulnerability, there's a sense of fragile, let's just say. So I have to bring that in. Now what I might do as a woman, I might wear something sort of uh, thin, like thin little straps, you know, or something sort of see-through-y where it felt sort of billowy and, and not really solid because visually that that would enhance that character. But I don't have a whole lot to work with. I don't have jewelry. I don't have um, a little bit I can do some stuff with my hair. But, you know, I've got to really take what I want to put in my physicality and, and make it internal. So I have to make certain choices. Does that make sense? Like you want to make certain choices of, of how I, w- I would uh, bring out my own vulnerability in my face and in my character and in the life and the things I'm creating that we can then later show uh, in a more physical way. But those physical choices I also want to make as well, and I don't want to tell my director how to do things, obviously. We don't do that. But I do want to have some suggestions. So I might sit down once I booked the job and say to my director, hey, I feel like my character has this vulnerability throughout the film. You know, would it make sense that maybe I'm wearing some thin clothing that doesn't feel really solid? Would it make sense that I could be barefoot during some of this? Um, would it make sense that, uh, you know, maybe I'm I'm not on as solid ground as I would be, as some of the other characters would be? So the other characters may be able to wear boots, they may be able to wear jeans, they may be able to wear more solid clothing, and my character is always seen as sort of uh, exposed or given some some physical vulnerability. So that would be a big difference between the audition and and booking the job. But if I hadn't prepared that in my audition, I wouldn't know to suggest that once I booked the job. So uh-huh. your audition in your audition you sort of plant the seed <laughs> that then can grow into something more solid later. Okay, now I, I have uh, some follow-up questions to that, but I do want to ask a question from the chat room uh, before I, I forget to do that. And, and that was, um, I don't know if they do this where you are in Georgia, but in Wisconsin, 
they do, and uh, apparently they do wherever the uh, questioner is from. I've never, ever, ever had this happen inside Los Angeles. So, uh, But the question is, is, should you ask to watch back your auditions when it's being filmed at your agent's office? And that that is the point I'm making. I mean, in L.A., no agent has ever filmed an audition, but uh, elsewhere uh, it seems that that practice is... Uh, somewhat common, and then maybe ask to do it again after seeing it if you didn't think it was great. So in Wisconsin, for example, some agents do double as casting directors. Mm-hmm. And That's more I and am... more common. It's more and okay. more common. It's getting more and more common. It's going to eventually be the norm, I believe. I would say in Atlanta, um, 80 to 90% of our auditions are the first time around, you either self-tape or you tape in your agent's office. Now, strategically, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but just so I don't forget, I think it's smarter to tape in your agent's office than to tape it at home once you're good and you can knock it out of the park the first time around. Until that point, you need to tape at home and keep doing it until you get it. Um, but back to the question, which is, 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 can you ask to see playback? I would say, you know, it's not a simple yes or no answer. There's a couple of factors. The first factor is you really need, as an actor, to understand what that camera sees. So you need to be in a class that is an on-camera acting class, and you need to watch playback in your class and understand how things translate. Generally speaking, what I have found, the way the camera translates things, is you're out of the, out of the park, like amazing moments are very good, and your sucky, terrible, I'm embarrassed I did that moment, are not so bad. <laughs> it sort of takes both extremes and mushes it to the middle. Uh-huh. Um, but... You you cannot rely on your agent's time to teach you. That's your job as an actor, okay? So that being said, if you are at a professional level and you every now and then I will ask to see something back, every now and then. But generally it is not, I, I have not ever asked to see something back in order to decide whether I need another take or not. I know whether I need another take or not because I know what the camera sees. So what I may say is, hey, I'd like another let me let me take one more of those. I want to you know speed up this first part or I want my my transition to be more specific or you know whatever. So I may do the second one and I may say to my agent, okay, I like the second one a lot better. Now, every now and then they might say, you know, I really like the first one. I'll say, oh, okay, well, let me see. And then I'll watch them back to back. And and generally speaking, I go with what my agent says. But I also, and back to the parameters of why you have to, it's not a simple yes or no question, I also have a very good agent and I trust their instincts. Now, I have coached people that have gone in agents' offices and the direction that the agent gave them was not good. So you need to know your agent and you need to know, really look at your agent with honest eyes 
just because they're an agent does not mean they have all the answers. There are some agents in town that I have coached my actors. I have said to them, I would not go into your agent's office to tape this. I would tape it myself because your agent is screwing up your auditions. And that's a terrible thing, but that happens sometimes. I, I I had somebody go into their agent's office, you know, again, going back to this idea that the audition, your responsibility is telling the whole scene, right? So the beginning part of this kid's audition he was supposed to be off camera, but he had lines, okay? So we worked out the way to handle this. So he was obviously on camera and present, and we made these first few beats work, okay? And we worked really hard at that. Well, he went into his agent's office, and he was very upset, and he called me after, and he said, my agent made me shoot the scene with my head turned all the way around. So the agent started the, the, the beginning of his scene was on the back of his head. <laughs> I'm sorry now to that's, laugh. That's a tr- it, you should laugh. It's atrocious. It's embarrassing. And I felt embarrassed for the agent. But in that case, <laughs> he would have watched playback and said, I don't think that works. And the agent would have said, well, yes, it does. That's what I'm sending. You see, so so the answer in a lot of that is you really, as an actor, need to stand, you need to be so trained and so solid in what you know is good that you don't let somebody manipulate your audition into a bad way. Another thing that some newer agents will do if they don't know better is they try to follow exactly all the direction in the scene. So they'll say, well, it says here that you uh, scratch your head, so you need to scratch your head. Well, no, that's not what all those directions, those directions are for the camera guy for later. That's for filming the scene. But I don't want to see somebody mime something in the middle of their scene like you're washing dishes because it says washing dishes in the script. So sometimes newer agents will try to to say to an actor, well, it says you're washing dishes here, so just, you know, act like you're washing dishes. <laughs> and that's going to give you a terrible audition, a not professional terrible audition. What do you do if in the middle of your scene somebody's supposed to kiss you? How do you how do you do that? Do you fake a kiss? <laughs> you close your eyes and, you know what I mean? There are ways to handle all these moments. But you have to be able to do that. So the answer to do you ask your agent to watch playback is not if you're trying to just learn. Okay? That is not an appropriate use of your agent's time. And that is not respectful. You need to be in class. Now, if you are in class and you could say, hey, I'm in an on-camera class. I'm really working hard to learn what the camera sees. You know, I, I, I would love to watch that back. Do you have a quick minute? Watch it and then okay. get out. <laughs> that would be appropriate a few times, but not every time. Right. So if uh, you need to watch it back just to know what that camera sees, the answer is no. Do not do that in your agent's office. That would be like asking your agent to teach you how to act. That's not their job for 10% of what you earn. 
they're working hard. You know, they don't come to your house and tell you what to wear either. <laughs> That's okay. your job as an actor. So this is this definitely falls knowing what the camera sees, knowing how your audition went, falls to you and your skills as an actor. Excellent, excellent. So uh, coming back around a bit to my question, which is about uh, creating you know the whole character and how that differs you know from the audition and the scene. Um, you know the scene requires reacting to other people and going moment to moment, you know, and, and now I, I've gotten my script, I've got the part, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to start preparing. What obligations, what thoughts, what uh, things do I pay attention to um, in addition to uh, make this this person, this character, myself, believable as, you know, in the role? Mm-hmm. Well, if you can read the whole script, that's always helpful. Um, if you cannot, you know, a lot of it is you gotta, you gotta make choices and, and make logical choices, make choices that make sense. So one of the biggest things I tell my actors, I'm giving all my secrets away for free, that's okay. Um, one of the biggest things I tell my actors is I, I look at, I look at things differently. I start my process not by saying, who's my character, what do I want in the scene, what's my motivation. You know, all that, this actor hoo-ha that we do that is indulgent, not professional. Um, That is where most actors come from. And then what I end up saying to most of them is, that's indulgent. Where you want to start, the best way to build a character is to ask yourself, why is this scene in the movie? What is the point? Not from a character place. Not even from an actor place. From a plot place. Because what is the movie overall? It's a story. I don't care how good of an actor you are. If you don't tell your piece of the story, you are cut out. Oh, again, an excellent point. So... I don't start creating a character until I understand. If this scene is in the movie to, from a plot perspective to build, let's say, the, the uh, suspense, then I start there. I understand this is, this is here to build suspense or this is here to show that there's a problem starting up. So now is my character contributing to the problem? Or is my character contributing to the solution? Well, generally speaking, I need to be contributing to the problem because the scene is in the movie to show that there's a problem. See? So now I'm making choices based on some logic. I don't just arbitrarily say, you know, I'm going to make my character drunk because I'm a really good actress and I think they'll be impressed that I can play drunk. If that doesn't contribute to the scene, they just think you're weird. (laughs) <laughs> they think, okay, I, I can't even see that you're a good actor because you're so weird that you would make that choice. So what happens to a lot of actors is they either make arbitrary choices or we go sort of flat and make no choices because the script doesn't soon feed us the right answer. You well, have an artistic like- responsibility to create the right answer that happens through you. What I 
really truly appreciate about what you said a moment ago is if you're lucky enough to be able to read the whole script and 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 oftentimes you are if you're probably significant enough um the what I like about that is the fact that again you know you're you're asking a kind of a higher level question, and that is how do I fit into this whole thing as opposed to you know what who am I specifically and it it goes back to the idea that movie making and storytelling is a collaborative art form and it relies on on many different people and many different actors to 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 tell this story and so why are you why is this character why is this person in the story? How do they further the story? Um, I think that gives so much greater depth and meaning to your place in all of it. Mm-hmm. And, and when you can understand that, then you become a person who can add value to the entire production as opposed to someone who kind of, maybe you don't behave like it, but, but approaches it from this kind of diva-like or um, a moment of, this is my, you know, this is my scene, as right. opposed to... The, I mean, you know, 90... 90- 99, if not 100% of the time, when I ask an actor, why is this scene in the movie? This is, do you know how the answer starts? Well, my character, and I'm like, no. <laughs> Already you're wrong. I don't even want to hear what you're going to say. Uh-huh, There's uh-huh. no scene in the movie to say anything about a character. Even if the whole movie is about one guy, even if the whole movie is about Tom Hanks stuck on an island. Right. There's not a scene in that movie that's about his character. There there are only scenes that are there to move the plot along. Right. So you have to start to look at storytelling from a storytelling perspective first, then fulfill your piece of that. And once you do that, you can make very broad choices, very big choices, very interesting choices that serve the scene. And what happens when you do that is the director says to themselves, whether they do this consciously or not, gosh, I don't know why I like that actor. They just seem to fit my movie. They just fit what I'm trying to do. Uh-huh. Because, you've, because you have understood the story and your place in it. You know. And another thing I'll say about before I would create a, start creating a character, I would also understand stylistically what the project is. Because if I'm creating a character for Drop Dead Diva, that's going to be very different than the character that I'm going to create for Army Wives. Because I understand the style and tone of those shows and what their message is. Army Wives has a message. that It, it likes to teach lessons. So you you need to understand that before you go audition for it. Likes to teach lessons that are important to women. You know, it's lifetime. <laughs> well, Drop Dead Diva is too. But Drop Dead Diva is not so much about teaching lessons. It's a little quirkier. It's got that Ally McBeal sort of tone and feel to it. It doesn't take itself so seriously. Creates bigger, you know, slightly broader characters. So before you go making your character choices, again, from this indulgent, I'm an artist, I'm an actor, what do I want to create thing, which I'm all in favor of, but let's do it in a way that can at least contribute to you getting a paycheck. Because <laughs> uh-huh. that's important, too. Because it's expensive to be an actor. You have hair and makeup and pictures. 
pictures and websites to maintain and, you know, agents to buy gifts for at the holidays. <laughs> so we want to book some jobs. Um, so you really want to know, first and foremost, what's the tone of the show, especially a TV show. If you've never seen the show you're auditioning for, you have no business auditioning. And that sounds harsh, but that—that that I think as, a, as an artist, as part of this business, it is insulting to walk in a room and tell somebody that you can't bother when you have a DVR and Hulu.com and all these other places you can find this information. It is insulting to walk into some place and say, oh, I haven't seen this show. Now, what's this about? Who's this character? If I was the casting director, I would send you home. You wouldn't go in to, uh, to interview for for a job at IBM and go, yeah, I don't know what IBM is. What, what's this place again? What do you guys <laughs> right. do? Right. You know, that, that is insulting. So you need to know your show. And, again, you can go to Hulu.com and watch old episodes of things. You also, here's another trick, look at your director. You know, I went in for Footloose when they were filming here. And uh, Craig, the uh, director of Footloose, um, was also the director of uh, something major. Like I think it was Crash. And I walked in there, and I was a fan of his. And you what? You know? I, was, I, I walked in there as a fan of his. Uh-huh. I didn't walk in there as somebody who had no idea who he was. Right. So when I walked in, I said, oh, my gosh, I am, I can't believe I'm meeting you. And, you know, I had a nice conversation with him. I ended up called back for a part I was not at all really right for, you know, um, Hustle and Flow. That's what he had done, Hustle and Flow, which I thought was unbelievably brilliant. So uh-huh. I, was the, I could tell I was at the end of a very long day for him. I ended up in that room talking to he and his uh, producing partner for probably 20 minutes. And it was not one of those conversations that I was, you know, I know better than to spend 20 minutes in an audition room chatting somebody up. It was not that. Like, he got excited that I was excited about him. And we had a wonderful conversation about hustle and flow and some of the things that happened on the set and what it was like working that way for him. And he told me sort of his story you know, Hustle and Flow was really the first movie he, he did that was, was anything substantial. And he was, like, working in a bookstore. <laughs> wow. I mean, it was great. It was a great conversation. It was a great – but I went in there understanding who he was. And uh-huh. I thought, this man is in an Oscar-winning – you know, has directed an Oscar-winning movie with Oscar-winning actors, like – and people don't know who he is? When there's IMDb, right. No, it's a good so point. the other the other thing that that told me when I went into audition for Footloose, I saw the original Footloose. I knew, you know, it's kind of campy. It was really fun, right? And I knew this man made Hustle and Flow. There's gonna be there's gonna be a a a, a different spin on Footloose this time around. So I'm I went more real and more connected and more. Uh, complex in my audition and in the character that I built because of 
understanding who he was and what was likely to resonate with him. Well, that's very that's that's again, uh, you know, such a great suggestion. Uh, the only thing that I would add to it is to point out that you were legitimately a fan of his and you knew his work, and or or if you aren't, you could introduce yourself to the work and maybe become a fan. I, I think people also know if somebody's faking it. So the, the oh, point absolutely. that I'm is that yeah, you were legitimately right. you were legitimately enthused by the meeting of this man, and and you weren't just trying to blow smoke at him. So right. Uh, and the, and and you're right. And if you and if you can't get excited about their project, maybe you can get excited about a person in there. So you walk in and right. say, "Oh my gosh, you worked with so and so. What was that like? I'm a big fan of his." Or you know, there's certain things that you can always find some place in which to resonate with that person. If they right. do nothing that you can respect. And they have nothing in their background that you you find interesting or that you resonate with. Why do you want to work for them? <laughs> I mean, no, if, if you've done nothing that I can, you know, if, if the whole body of your work is is a bunch of crap in my perspective, why do I want to work for you? Very, very good point. Very good point. Listen, Kristen, we've got about. Fifteen minutes on the outside left, and we're going long. Okay. And, uh, and that's just because you're so full of information that is valuable for the listener that I want to keep us going. Um, so I got a couple questions here that I want to ask, and, and they're actually based on some comments of yours. And that is like, um, and uh, you have responsibility to the scene versus the responsibility to the audition. Now, how you play the scene in the audition may be different than the scene in the movie, but it's the difference that gets you the job. Yes. And that difference is? The difference is, as a storyteller, I am telling the whole scene on my face. In the audition, right. In the audition. Now, I may make some different choices than what they ultimately use in, in in the filming of it. They may change me on set a little bit. But it is the fact that I created that fullness of experience for them that inspired them to hire me. Uh-huh. You see? So the director can always, if, if, if I say to you, to go back to our example, if I say I love you and I, I have crushing disappointment in, in what I see on your face, you know, before the line comes out of the casting director's mouth or while the line is coming out or whatever. And in the movie, the director says, you know, at this beat, I want you to be confused. That's easy for them to change. But if I, as the actor, if I've gone in and you've seen no reaction on my face until I get to my next line, then I don't take you on any kind of ride that feels real to you, so you don't get inspired to hire me. Make sense? So if Absolutely. you think of your audition as a as a roller coaster, you, your audition is is to you take these people on this roller coaster of life experience. It's not about the right answer or doing the scene the right way or being exactly what they thought they wanted to hire. 
one of um, the jobs I, I booked recently, I went for a callback for something, and as I was walking out of the director's office, he said, you know, just um, read for this other thing, and handed me a script really cold, and the definition of the character was not at all me. I was 40. This character was written like 60s and frumpy and matronly was the definition, and, you know, I'm not matronly. <laughs> too bad horn, but no, you see, that's not me. But that's okay. But I, I looked at the scene. I went, what's called for in the scene? Why is the scene in the movie? Oh, I'm part of the problem. I'm making it really tough for this girl to do her job. And I'm not matronly, but I sure am motherly. So, and I so sure do like to tell people, yeah. Let me just interrupt you right there. When, now, you've got the scene you're reading. Were you reading cold then? No, I went out in the other room, and I took okay. a couple of minutes. All right, so you had a couple of minutes to come. I don't give them the option. No, they didn't give me a couple of minutes. I took control of my audition. So if somebody hands me a scene and they say, I know this is going to be cold. Uh, I'd like to see you read for this. I take the scene. I don't look at it. I thank them. and Great, thank you. I'll, I'll go out, and you want me to go ahead and send in the next person? Okay, cool. I like that. Now, again, I like the idea of taking control of your own audition. But, but the question that I was asking is that you said, uh, you know, wh- why is this character in the movie? Now, did you ask them that when you was no. that something you asked them? So you were able to get that information. Uh, you read through the entire thing in in a couple of minutes. I mean, in other yeah, words, I read, you- I read my scene, and because I've been doing this a long time, and and because I have a process that I work every single time, I can do all this in five or ten minutes now. So I, I read the whole scene. I asked myself the first question: Why is the scene in the movie? Oh, I'm contributing to the problem. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. I, I just. You know, I was asking then, for clarification. I wasn't sure if you said that you had asked them why it was in the. Or this is this is this is your work. This was your homework outside this outside what exactly. you were saying. Okay, great. It's awesome. always your homework. All right, fantastic. And now, now I so yeah, so so I'm, I do my work out there. I take the time when I'm ready. I then will say to the casting director the next time she comes out to get the next person, "Hey, I'm ready whenever you're ready for me." Got it. And if I have to take that scene and go in the bathroom and sit in a stall <laughs> to have privacy, I will do that. I am not above that, you know. So don't go out in the waiting room and chit-chat with people or, you know, mess around or get confused or not. You know, you have serious work to do at that point. But my to go back to the the responsibility, like I go through the whole work that I would normally go through, you know, once you get really good at this, you just do it really fast. Mm -hmm. And I'm creating a character based on what I know I can do and what I do authentically. I'm not trying to be what they say in the scripts that they want. So, but, well, but I'm doing it from the place of what's going to honor the script that they wrote. It is a finely tuned point. It's a very well, again, yeah, sophisticated conversation. <laughs> again, I, here's something that I like. I've always said that a movie ma- movie making, you know, and, and scene work should be a roller coaster ride. So I'm in complete agreement with you. 
And what I like about what you have said regarding the audition is that, you know, your job is to go in and 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 let this stuff be on your face. Let them see everything. Take them on a roller coaster ride, based on choices you've made. You don't need to ask them what they want. They, I mean, in theory, you don't need to, you know, find out what the scene is all about from their point of view. You've done your homework. You take them on a ride. If the, typically they will adjust it anyway, you know they may say, "Could you do it differently, or could you do it this way?" But but if you take them on a ride, that opens up all sorts of other doors because they know you're a thinking, moving, breathing, living, you know, engaging actor. You know, right. And, and, you, well, and what's happened up, really is you've often just inspired them to see the scene come to life. Because it's not about giving the right answer. You know, if right. that was the case, we'd all be accountants. <laughs> if you want to give the right answer, you need to get your CPA and go do people's taxes or accounting. That's the uh, only time you get a right answer. This is an art. This is about going in and painting the picture that you paint. You know, my job as an actor is not to book the job because I don't control that. My job as an actor is to show you that this is what your piece of storytelling looks like when it lives through me. All right. And that's Very cool. all I control. Right. I can't control the age you you think this person is supposed to be or the ethnicity or the, you know, there many, but what happens if you start to work in this way I'm talking about is I book a lot of jobs that I did not audition for, as in I'm walking out the door and they go, you know, read for this other thing, you know, because uh-huh. I'm I'm showing them something that inspires them to now see me in their movie, and if I don't fit in this piece of the movie, I'm I'm going to fit somewhere else, you see? Very cool. Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's very cool because that's what you. I would think that would be the goal of any actor is is to be memorable to these people so that they can see you in different uh, forms or in different light, and so that they think of you for other projects. Uh, right. You know, it's it's much easier to get a job from somebody you worked with than to get a new job every time. Yes, it is. And when somebody you work with knows that they can trust you. You just keep getting hired. <laughs> now, uh, we have literally, I'm sorry, we literally have six minutes left on the outside, maybe actually <laughs> about four minutes, and then I have to close the show in the in the remaining two. But but uh, the question comes from the chat room. Does your agent know that's your job? In other words, what you just said, my job is to is to have, show them what the story looks like as being told through, you know, me. Uh, it says it feels like they just want you to book it, and if you don't, you're not doing your job. So how do you reconcile that with 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 the agent's mindset? Well, they don't know that that's your job, nor do they care. That's right. not their business. Just like you don't care how much their overhead is. You know what I mean? Right. We we don't care about the agent's job. You just want them to get you in the room. They don't really care about your process. They just want you to do your job. But if you do your job consistently, Every actor goes through dry spells, you know. There are times where your type is changing or your what, whatever those things are. We've all gone through dry spells. Every famous actor has gone through dry spells. It's okay. Are you consistent? 
consistently putting down auditions that get you called back? And are you consistently on casting directors' short lists of who they want to see? If you're doing that, then your agent knows you're doing your job. That's what they're concerned about. And I do want to say to people, if, if they go on my Facebook page, I do post every day. I post inspiration for actors, and I also post some really specific exercises and things that you can do and tips and, you know, things like this that we're talking about. And I try to give you guys something new every single day that you can use that day to hone your craft as an actor. And that's on Facebook on Kristen Shaw Acting Studio. So I just wanted to throw that out there. No, I'm glad that you did. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad that you did. Um, because we are wrapping up the hour. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I have a decision to make. There is, I don't ever take phone calls. And someone just came on the line. Oh, they just hung up. So <laughs> <laughs> Made that decision just, easy. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking, well, that might be a friend of yours or something. I thought, well, I'll put him on the air just, just as a shot. But uh, the, I invite them to Twitter me or or, t- or anyway to find out. Uh, and that's the reason that in, in the studio that I have, I, I don't know who the caller is. They're not pre-identified or screened, so I don't take them just so people know. Um but uh well very cool this is this is awesome you know, we do have about 3 minutes i'm going to have to have you back you know because we just always run out of time whenever you're uh-huh. on uh, yeah, and I would also things? really stress to people, you've got to get in an on-camera class. Even a bad on-camera class is at least going to help you somewhat. Uh, get on a, in an on-camera class and learn what that camera sees. <laughs> that is invaluable. Very, very true. Well, the 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 you know, we've got so much more that we could talk about, and so much more that uh, you know we could. We, I mean, we could go on for hours, but we are going to have to draw this to a close. So you will come back. I know you will come back. I will. Then, <laughs> I think fabulous. Um, but the other thing, the other thing that I that I, I did want to point out, you know, you said you know you you you're not in control of of them hiring you, and you're you're in control of your process. But the other thing that you you said earlier, and I want to point it out, is that it is your audition, and you should control that. In other words, when you yes. were said, "Come on in and read," you said, "Well, then I'll go out and I'll send the other person in." You know, um, the idea that you know you shouldn't let these people put you in a position where you can't do your best work for them because right. you know you're intimidated you 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 have to be the professional and the craftsperson who says well uh, I'll be in in a few minutes you know <laughs> as yeah. opposed to right I, I like that I mean, and, and, you, and you do it in a confident non-threatening way right. you don't but you don't ask permission if I walk in and there's no chair and I need I want a chair for my scene because I'm doing my scene sitting instead of standing, then I tell them I need a chair. I don't ask, will it be okay if I sit down? Do you mind? I'd say, oh, you know, I'm going to need a chair. Can we make that work? And I'm going to do it just like that, and I'm going to be very, you know, uh, professional and and nice about it. But I'm certainly not going to say, you know, um, I practiced this sitting down, and I really, is there any chance that you would mind if I got a chair and I could sit? Well, no, it, you know, I've just shown all my lack of confidence. But if I say, hey, you know what, I need a chair for my scene. Can Can we make that work? Then people just go to help you. They're not trying to set you up to fail. 
They're trying to set you up to succeed. They just aren't making all the same choices you would make because, quite frankly, they have a whole lot of other stuff to think about, and your audition is not top on their list. So just ask for what you need. Well, that is awesome. And with that, we should close. Okay. (laughs) We should absolutely close. Again, I can't say it enough or or nearly as many times as I'd like to, but uh, you have – up the standard here, you know, you constantly provide uh, tips and suggestions and secrets and, and valuable information for the actors and uh, and for them to listen to and benefit from. You have been a guest on this show now four times. I heartily recommend that uh, people listening to this interview uh, go back and listen to the other three if they haven't yet. And one of the things that I do always recommend people do is to listen to the same interview over and over and over and over again. Uh, read the same books over and over again because when, as you change, you understand the information differently too. You process it differently. You receive things that you might have shut out before. Uh, I go back and listen to things and go, oh, my God, I didn't even know that was there because when mm-hmm. I was listening the first time, my mind wandered or something. So I, I um, fully appreciate uh, that you have been on the show. Again, give your website out here, Kristen, and then we yes, have to say. KristenShawActingStudio.com. KristenShawActingStudio.com. Awesome. And uh, Paul McComiskey is on and says, you are his acting coach and you are fantastic and you are always positive, hilarious, and smart. So um, with that, we'll close out. And uh, and Paul says, it's been good listening to you and thanks. Oh, wow. Kristen disappeared. I accidentally – hold on. Are you there? <laughs> I'm here. Sorry, I – Somehow you got muted at that moment. So, uh, but Paul Paul said those things about you, and uh, and uh, he's a student of yours. He is. He's a wonderful student. All right. Okay. Well, so let's say goodbye for now, and uh, we'll let the listeners know when you're going to be back. Uh, kudos to you and to all that you're doing, and thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks all for right. what you do, Rex. It's great. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, Miss Kristen Shaw. And, uh, again, so much thanks to her and to you, the readers and listeners of Movie Beat. We've got many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so be sure to stay tuned. And please keep sharing this website and these interviews with all of your friends and your contacts. Please do leave comments after the show. Before you go anywhere else, if you're listening right now, either close down the player when the show is over and wait for the comment window to appear or or take a moment and leave comments. If you do that, I know who's in the chat room, so I know if you're going to leave a comment or not. <laughs> Never thought I'd say that, but I did. Um, anyway, the, the point I'm making is, is please do go ahead and leave comments and uh, because that helps us rate and review the show's podcast. Uh, uh, check out Kristen on um, on Facebook as well, and you can become a, a friend of Rex Sykes Movie Beat on Facebook by clicking the like button on the Rex Sykes Movie Beat friends page. You can also follow me at Twitter at Rex Sykes Movie BT. That's Rex Sykes Movie BT. All right, everybody, have a fabulous day. Make your projects and your movies and complete them. And until we meet the next time, that is a wrap. <laughs>